everybody, welcome back to Desert Streaming. This is Marco Casanova, uh, your host, but you know what? I have a special guest here today. Her name is Katie Kamiski, and Katie is new on staff at Desert Stream, and in fact, Ooh. she is going to be with me on the podcast from now yes, on. Yes, the new co-host. That's right. Yes, so making Katie, it better. Welcome. You're good. <laughs> making it more interesting. We're consistent. Folks, let's just let's just get it out there. It's going to be more interesting it's been and more subpar. <laughs> the podcast offering has not been a great gift. Uh, maybe not even maybe good enough. Not even good enough. It's been a gift. It's a gift that few have opened, wanted. Few have opened. listened to all the way through. Many but. of you, let's be honest, have has, have left this gift unopened. So Katie is gonna is on staff now. Katie, welcome. Yay, thank Desert you. Stream. I'm so excited. Yes, and you came from a teaching career, which is like crazy different from what you're doing now yeah it's very different teaching is a pretty unique job with unique expectations so yeah it's a different gear that you're in kind of in ministry but it's a good change an english teacher right english teacher yes so, so you speak english well i do i do i speak <laughs> english very well so that's a gift that's a gift to the podcast <laughs> that i can speak english so yes you're welcome yes listeners. thank you katie well, tell us a little bit about your Living Waters experience. Like, obviously, you're a Comiskey. So I am a Comiskey. Yes. Elephant in the room. Yep. Yes. That Nepotism. is my dad, Andrew. Yes. <laughs> I'm a Nepo baby, so I wear it with pride, like all the Hollywood starlets before me. But you're obviously not doing this because you're just a part of the family. You're doing no. this because... <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> if anybody yes. knows Katie Comiskey, it's not because of not that. Not because of that, yes. But you've been, you've been convinced by Living Waters yeah. in a way. And yeah. saved by it. Through yeah, it. absolutely. So maybe let us in a little bit into that. Like, like how, how has that experience been for you? Yeah, so I went through Living Waters, I mean, I would have been probably over 10 years ago, um, early 20s. And I think for me, kind of the, the root of the issue, maybe I didn't know it going into Living Waters, but in Living Waters was just feeling like I wasn't a good gift, like the podcast. <laughs> Perfect <laughs> metaphor for me growing up. Um, but yeah, I, I think I always felt not good enough as a woman. I mean, it's... There's a lot of expectations worldly for women that I felt at a young age I didn't measure up to and kind of feeling inadequate as a woman. That's who I am. That's my identity. So really kind of unable to really progress successfully through life. Not that I didn't get good grades or didn't go to college, but like interpersonally, I felt so constrained by what I thought was my poor offering hmm. that no one would want. And so because of that, like my life was kind of enveloped in despair there was a hopelessness that i felt that i would never be a good enough gift and my gift could be accepted if i tried really hard if i put all my effort into it um, but it would always be accepted kind of hesitantly and never like well received and so when you feel that like it's hard to just get up every day right if you don't think you're a good gift it's hard to do errands it's hard to call a friend to meet up because yeah. everything you you're offering feels subpar and so there was despair i didn't think the lord would ever make me feel like a good gift and so i think by the time i was in my early 20s and you know my dad was quick to be like hey maybe do living waters because i just wasn't being successful my life wasn't that fruitful mm -hmm. and so in living waters i kind of saw where i really had believed lies that i wasn't good enough and that i had really I didn't believe the resurrection for me in that part of my life. And so Living Waters, I came to believe that I was a good gift. Hmm. And I had to learn to stand and fight for that. Because wow. Living Waters isn't you go through it and then everybody loves you. And right. everyone accepts your gifts in open arms. Like, you know, no one I 
really was friends with was going through living waters, but it was believing the truth and learning to stand in it through intimacy with Jesus. And then a group of people who do know you and see you as a good gift and encourage you on, but it kind of helped me reject the lie and learn how to stand in the truth that I'm a good gift. I mean, it's interesting about this whole like reality of despair. It seems that one has to be like acclimatized to a certain battle. Yeah. To keep like keep fighting it. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. And like kind of we talk about in Living Waters, the root um, of the spirit of death or despair is acedia, which is just kind of this apathy. Mm-hmm. And so I think for me, the kind of cruel irony was that I was so not prepared for the fight, right? Mm -hmm. I wanted a transformation where I just felt like a good gift. I want that to just be this like instantaneous thing. And then I didn't want to have to fight for it. I wanted it to be mine (laughs) and won. And then I didn't ever have to struggle with the fact that sometimes my gift wasn't received well and it wasn't perceived to be a good gift by other people. And so I think Living Waters, post-Living Waters, it was in Living Waters, it was gaining that truth, the context, the understanding, mm-hmm. and then post-Living Waters. So the last 15 years has been, okay, you actually have to battle for the truth that you are a good <laughs> gift. And despair is, for me, always kind of a latent threat. So if I'm mm-hmm. really tired, or if I'm stressed, yeah. or if I haven't been doing my quiet time, like it's, it's always there <laughs> to kind of creep up on me. So kind of a vigilance that's not exhausting, but I, I have to be aware of where it's easy for me to be like, yeah, my gift isn't good, and I, I should just not offer it, and I should watch TV for two days and not leave the house because my gift is bad, you know? Yeah, so yeah. it's kind of a constant, yeah, battle. But battle, it gets easier. Yeah. So yes, a battle, but it's not like my life is miserable. And at the end of the day, I'm like, oh, I've battled for my good gift status all day. I have nothing left to give, right? Mm-hmm. You grow competent in it. So. Yeah. And it's not dissimilar to people who like struggle with sexual things yes. either, you know? Yes. Which is amazing. Like Living Waters has these themes that you may not be like a struggling with same-sex attraction right. or some sort of exotics and yes. you know behavior but um these themes like hit Absolutely. all of us yes you know there's a universal mm-hmm. quality to kind of being broken in a world but fighting for holiness and yeah. so I, that's why i like living waters because you you meet on the grounds of your brokenness and so while our brokenness is different there is just a similarity it's like we're all desperate for jesus yeah. to make us more whole and i think in living waters we're, we talk about all the time like we want the fullness of resurrection power in our daily lives and so that may look different for me than you but yeah. the goal is the same like right. i don't want to be living in little pockets of death in yeah. my life and so for me it's despair and not thinking my gift is good enough and i think that's for a lot of people that probably is an undercurrent for a lot of what right. they struggle with right. as well what would be your recommendation like to people who are listening and who may be experiencing yeah. that like that sort of malaise day yes. to day yeah and they're like i i know what that is like yes but i don't have a living waters group to go to yeah yeah <laughs> you know well like, we're gonna we're working on that folks yeah, exactly. we're trying to get some more living waters throughout the u.s and yeah just to, just to, as a note to that katie is really um like we're we're really co-leading yes. living well, waters usa that's nice he is my boss <laughs> i was given a flow chart and he is uh, above me in the flow chart so no, but katie's <laughs> Maybe it's generous, but thank you, Marco. It's really a, an effort to to grow this ministry and have more groups in yes. this country. So, but yeah, just back yeah. to the question. I mean, I think accountability is really helpful. So for me, because it, I don't necessarily chronically struggle with mm-hmm. you know masturbation or pornography, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's a little bit 
it's not abstract, but it, it's there is a little fuzzier line mm-hmm. in the sin, right? Um, and so I wasn't doing accountability um, with anyone because I was like, well, it's okay. Like, I'm just learning how to deal with it. And then my father um, took me <laughs> out for, I swear it was my birthday dinner, but our conversations <laughs> run the gamut even on special occasions. And he was like talking to me about how I was doing. And when Andrew Kamiski asked you how you are doing, it is like an arrow to the heart. Like in some ways, mm-hmm. in a really beautiful way, it's almost like, oh, this must be kind of what it was like talking to Jesus because he's so clear in the spirit mm-hmm. and perceptive and empathetic in the spirit. And so I was like, I'm okay. But it was a similar like kind of falling into a malaise often. And he's like, well, do accountability. And so I do accountability uh, with two people, but you can do with one. Um, and I check in every morning and have I fallen into the spirit of death. So you have to know thyself. I mean, it's not, did I watch pornography, right? Oh, I masturbated. You do have to look inner and emotionally, like, did I give in to despair there? Or did I contemplate something and then give it to the Lord? So that's been really helpful for me. Um, I think quiet time (laughs) with Jesus, starting your day with him and before him and the world will name you in a million different ways, right? You, you walk out the door and you may be called a million different things um, or perceive that people are looking at you. But if you start your day quiet before Jesus, and I just, I just think of the divine mercy image in my mind, mm-hmm. and I just like bow down before him in my quiet time, and I'm just before him. And in that, I'm being built up and seen by the one who made me and mm-hmm. knows me best. And so that helps kind of protect you, I think. And so... If I'm kind of shored up in him, lies and, and, and in despair kind of don't have as many pockets to go to. They're not, I'm, I'm full with him. So there's not empty spaces where they can creep in. So that helps. So quiet time, accountability, you know, I, I reading scripture, yeah. um, kind of maybe meeting with the accountability partner. Maybe you meet once a month and you kind of talk about how you're doing. But I think those are two simple things that anyone kind of mm-hmm. anywhere can do. Yeah. What I'm hearing is like a there is, there is a spiritual and a communal component. Yes, and that's living waters, right? right? Like you yeah. can't, because for me, like despair not being an exotic sin and being kind of like, oh, this is a silly thing to struggle with. Like, okay, I'm I'm kind of tired of it. I've always said like jokingly, I want this exotic thing, hmm. um, because then I feel like it makes more sense to have accountability. But honestly, I think. I'm glad it's not so exotic. Um, It's helpful to find walking partners uh, because a lot of people can relate to it. But I also need objective people who hold me accountable because this is kind of an internal diagnosis. And I can manipulate my way out of things that I don't feel comfortable doing with someone else. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, I have to take a more honest accounting of myself as well. It's pretty amazing how many of us live under the accusation of the enemy and we wouldn't see it as that yeah but just these names that we just live yes you know yeah without any sort of empowerment Mm -hmm. or self-awareness like you said know thyself know what what are your familiar accusations that sort of creep at the door and lurk around your home so to speak and and really take ground in saying jesus i'm like i'm oh, i'm done with this yes, one <laughs> like, absolutely i want to i actually want to be an empowered disciple uh-huh. who walks in the truth of who you say i yes. am not with this familiar thing exactly that i'm just kind of a, a crappy gift yes you know right and how many of us don't know frankly i think a lot of i mean i think of 
especially Catholics, I mean, maybe evangelicals too, I don't know. But a lot of people think that they just have to live disempowered in this malaise. So what I really appreciate your story is that it's very nuanced in that anybody can fall into this in any in any area you know and with any sort of background and history the spirit of death is something we all i think have to fight right it seems like so scary i always teach on it i'm like spirit of death isn't like you know the grim reaper following you around but it is this idea that in certain areas of our life we don't believe in the resurrection of jesus right we were crucified and never unto life And yeah, that can become sanctified. You know, maybe Catholics are a little more prone to the sanctified suffering, but it's not sanctified because it's not Jesus's truth that I'm suffering for. It's the enemy's lies that is causing me to suffer. So yeah, it's definitely something I think everyone deals with. And I think, you know, when you were talking, it's like, yeah, so I think the the first step is believing you're a good gift, Mm -hmm. right? Because if you don't believe that, then there's no you're what are you fighting <laughs> right, against right? right so it's believing it and then taking action and even i think for me at first it was like well why do i have to take action like i am a good gift so why is anyone threatening that like why mm-hmm. are people still kind of rejecting me why is this job not wanting me why is this guy not liking me and that f- at first was this like belief that oh then i'm not really a good gift as opposed to no you're a good gift and you fight and you fight and other people can't really tarnish that because you're a good gift because of Jesus. And yeah. if he says I'm a good gift, then I fight against anything that's threatening kind of the sanctity of that. So Katie, I know um, you were in the seminary at one point. I was Protestant, Protestant seminary. Yes. yes. And what's, what seminary Went to um, Beeson, which is at uh, Samford University, which is a Baptist undergrad in Birmingham, Alabama. And then Beeson is a seminary on the campus, but distinct. Okay. And how many years were you there? I was there for two years, so okay. I got a good 30 credit hours, wow. but no degree. <laughs> so really great, you know, $30,000 down the drain, but two full years, like wow. two full years. Of... And your trajectory with that, we, we want to be a pastor? Yeah, or... so I was getting my Master's of Divinity, and I, I think the idea was to become like a youth pastor, it, again, as a woman in ministry, like... I was Protestant at the time, so obviously women can be head pastors in the Protestant church, uh, but that's a rare and not what I wanted to do. And before I had gone to seminary, I had been working at a local church doing the youth group, and I really enjoyed it. So it was kind of like, well, I love Jesus, and mm-hmm. I guess I'll go to seminary <laughs> and become a youth pastor. But it was never this, like, this is my lifelong goal, and I'm working towards it. It was just kind of by default. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'll be a youth pastor. And so I studied there for two years. Wow. Yeah, it was and, good. And so when, I mean, you, you, you said twice that like I, I was a Protestant at this time. Oh, yes. So when did you become a Catholic? Um, I became a Catholic a few years after okay. leaving. And what kind of brought, what brought you to that? Well, I mean, my, my dad obviously became Catholic. Um, so we grew up Protestant in amazing Protestant churches. I mean, really yeah. the best of the best. <laughs> Such a gift. I'm so glad I was kind of born and bred in the Protestant church. Um, but my dad has always loved sort of the Catholic church and the popes. And so really distinct for me, which is a little, I mean, it wasn't a huge part of my life, but we would go to the missions in California. So like the Spanish missions, like in San Diego. So I remember as a kid, those things kind of print on you, those like memories, because we were going on vacation yeah. and it, it was exotic and going to the missions. And there was something spiritually and like aesthetically about the like, 
those missions that I was like, oh, this seems like church to me in a way that the church I was going to didn't necessarily. Like there was something there. So there was something imprinted on me. It's like, oh, the Catholic church is serious and it's like powerful. Mm. And then as I went to Protestant seminary, it, it was a ecumenical. So you had all different okay. uh, Protestant groups represented and put in kind of when you're all in one school, but there's so many different <laughs> belief systems. Like you're kind of presented with the array of Protestants. And it was really good, but you kind of see where then kind of the infighting or sort of the, 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 the disagreements or why this church split from this church. It was a little, not disillusioning because the people were wonderful, but it was kind of like, hmm, is this what God would have wanted for his church a little bit? Mm-hmm. Um, and I went to an Anglican church at that time and that was pretty, there was a lot of liturgy there. So that kind of softened me to the liturgy. And then my dad became Catholic and he was talking to me about kind of why he became Catholic. And so I made the decision to join the Catholic church. That's amazing. Yeah. I'm so glad to do it. I mean, there's things I miss, yeah, but I'm sure. ultimately so glad I chose to become Catholic. Yeah. I was thinking about that the the other day, like when, when a Protestant becomes a Catholic, like it, it's, a, it's amazing for like from a Catholic standpoint, but from someone who grew up in rich community Great. of yes. evangelical like settings, yes. you know, you you may find that in the Catholic world, yeah. but you have to look really hard and maybe you have to cultivate. It's not, I, I would say that Catholics don't really maximize on like being a super welcoming oh, no. community. You yeah, know? you go to mass and you don't talk to anyone. Like no one knows <laughs> right. you. And Just by the nature of the liturgy, yes. it's very sort of, you, you just attend and, and there's a virtue to that. Yeah, but but it, it I, I was thinking about that the other day, like I was listening to a podcast and they're like, oh, you know, you cross the Tiber, welcome home type of thing. And I thought, <laughs> oh, man, like, I think it, that's sort of that it's beautiful. But okay, also, what t- is cross the Tiber? It's, it's the river that flows through. Rome. Oh, OK. Yeah. Marco will make these comments. And I'm like, never heard of that. And then I'll mention like a very famous movie. And he's like, what? Is, never heard of this movie. It's like, well, I don't know the river Tiber so, casually. <laughs> Sorry. No, it's so obscure. Honestly. <laughs> yes, but you said it like it was not like the Rubicon. It's like, oh, I've heard of that river. I know that expression. The I Danube. Didn't, I didn't know that one. So continue. Sorry. <laughs> but it was like, it is like a. I think at times we say that as Catholics and it's not it's not entirely in context of what For people's sure. experiences are. No, yeah, know? maybe it's like the saints are like <laughs> celebrating in heaven, <laughs> but there's no welcoming party. I mean, yeah. the first time you get, you know, when you get confirmed, I don't know if mm-hmm. that's what it's called when you're already a Christian, but like there is a celebration, but it's not really for you. And there's not really people in the church like cheering for you that next Sunday, right? Mm -hmm. I think being Catholic has been beautiful, but I would say like it's lonely for me in a certain sense. Like going to mass, I I get it. We get married to Jesus every mass. Like in that sense, you're not lonely, but in terms of like the people, like peers, I do feel like I even still feel like it's kind of lonely because I go alone and I don't really know anyone there. No one's really excited to see me and that's in contrast to the protestant church which was like you go with your friends and you have church together and then you would go out to eat afterwards and that was so beautiful and so helpful to worship jesus and then like commune together i mean that seems pretty new testament Mm -hmm. to me and so i miss that a lot about my kind of past church experiences you know i think um that that sort of worldview was new for me coming to desert stream like i was realizing like 
how much we were actually lacking in the Catholic mm. world with like good solid community yeah. that is built around like really knowing one another and it seems like that's what living waters is it's building communities of faith i mean obviously yes we can feast and we can have good you know community fraternity sorority all of that but there is there is something that needs to happen in our churches where people can feel safe enough to be known in deep areas And so I appreciate that worldview because yeah. otherwise it'd be like, well, why do we need something like Living Waters? You right. know, if the community is vibrant and robust. Yes. And but I find, since being on, on staff at Desert Stream, I go I go into the church and not with a critical eye, but with a with an eye of, oh, this could be so useful yes. here. Right. <laughs> People really want. They're yearning yes, for this. They are. You know. And so I think that's what our vision is yeah. for the church. Yes. Is making it. A community of healing, yes. a community, community, a true community. Yeah. So people who know each other, and I think I'm 36 now, and so you sometimes age out of the demographics of social groups sure. in the Catholic world, right? Yeah. So young adult groups, that's great, and they're wonderful in Kansas City, and they're, yeah. they're people love it. But you can age out. You demographically become. I'm no longer mm-hmm. a young adult. I'm a middle-aged <laughs> single woman, and I don't want to go to that group. That group makes me sad. So it's like in Living Waters, we we don't necessarily meet on the grounds of like, oh, we're all twenty-something yeah. women who are in the secular world but love Jesus. Like we're meeting on the grounds of our brokenness, which is daunting and seems kind of counterintuitive, but. It's where you really meet people. It's not that people are their brokenness, but it's where they're most vulnerable and where like Jesus can do the most work. And so you really connect with people in a way that I don't connect with people outside of the good boundaries of living waters. And that's probably good, right? You don't need to meet everyone that way, but it can produce fruit for real friendships where you're really known. And that's, I think what a lot of people are craving for in their community. Am I really known here? I'll end with this. Um, I think we're positioned in a particular history, like time in history, not only culturally and ecclesially, like within the church, but also at Desert Stream, you know, where um, your mom and dad are very present in the ministry right yeah. now. And, and so as to, to really be so um, careful in, in handing this ministry onto another generation, yeah. you know, which is pretty amazing. Yes. And we get to, I feel like the Lord has this position to glean from them. Yes, definitely. <laughs> for how is this ministry going to proceed right. for decades right. and, and hopefully generations to come? Die with the founder, right? That's exactly. That's what happens. That's what happens a, a lot. Charismatic leader who's prophetic. My dad is charismatic and yeah. prophetic and powerful. But, you know, he's... He's getting up there, so I mean, he's healthier than <laughs> no, and anyone has, I've ever met. You know, and yeah, exactly. Yes, it's not saying he's, that he's going to retire tomorrow. No, no, but, but he's willing to sort of cede some of the responsibilities and yeah. the task. And it is like, how do you carry this on? And that's what the, I mean, Catholic Church does that well, right? Yeah. They, <laughs> they've, they've passed it down from Peter. So there's something about gleaning from them and not out with the old and in with the new exactly you know we're standing on the shoulders of giants really i mean that's kind of cliche but i think that's how you do it it's you take everything that they've learned and done and then you you stand on their 
success and mm-hmm. hopefully grow it, but with everything that they've done before it. Exactly. None of it is like, well, we've got a new way. No, we're just continuing it yeah. in the way the Lord is leading us in this season. It gives it longevity. Absolutely. You know, and it's pretty pretty amazing. Like the, I I I think it's a privileged place to be where we get to glean from oh them. Oh my gosh, like that's amazing. Firsthand. Yeah. You know. Your parents are rock stars. Yeah, they're pretty. Like, and I don't just say impressive. that. To, like, as a sycophant, like that's just the truth. Yes. Like they, they're pioneers in an in an arena, right? Where there's not very many standing. Yes, sustained pioneers, forty years. Not oh, this is a really hard ground, and I've done it for five. Exactly. It's forty years, of, of what has been pioneering. So lots of battles right yep. kind of paving the way right the the i mean jesus goes before them but that road didn't really exist before so they're they're truly pioneers right. and they are still pioneering and it's been 40 years imagine yeah. <laughs> like i want to pioneer for a few years and then settle <laughs> you know and retire <laughs> five years five years later five years katie's retiring <laughs> i'm not <laughs> Where's my money? Where's my... No, Dean Greer made a good point the other day of like, we're all fruits of living waters, but you're, you're, you are literal (laughs) fruits of my, (laughs) the loins of my parents, which is so troubling (laughs) to think of in that sense. (laughs) But which is at the same time, really amazing that you're here in this, in this time. So all that to say, um, and maybe I'm, I'm being, um, a little romantic here of the future mm-hmm. of what, what that looks like. But um, I, I bless the Lord for having us positioned in this place at this time. Yeah. And Lord, may we be humble and open to mm-hmm. glean from these pioneers so that this ministry, in fact, doesn't just stop yes. with with the Comiskeys, but goes forth yeah. for generations Amen. to come. Well, Katie, I'm so happy you're on staff. Thank you. I'm excited to be a part of the staff. And to all our listeners, um, stay tuned yes. because Katie meant what she said yes. that we're gonna we're really gonna make this more consistent yes. and better. Yes, <laughs> consistent, better, one of the two, <laughs> probably consistent. <laughs> At least we'll make it more consistent. Maybe not better. Yeah. And if it's not better, just don't tell us. Don't tell us. <laughs> just leave five star reviews and give us personalized comments that suggest you really know us because you've been listening. No generic. Praise, please. We don't like generic. No, we want it particular to us and our, our real good gifts. Until next time, God bless you.